turtle in its train keeps on a rolling. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of January 28th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. As the first ever Term Limits Day approaches on February 27th, momentum is building for the Federal Congressional Term Limits Amendment Bill and the various state resolutions calling for a Term Limits Convention under Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. And dare we hope for a boost from the expanding field of Democratic presidential candidates? After a crazy busy week, we tracked down U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides for updates and answers. Hey, Nick. Bill, how are you? All right. So we're making some progress on these bills, both in Washington, D.C. and in the states. And I think the big news this week has to be uh, from the South, where we got two more co-sponsors on the Senate version of the Congressional Term Limits Amendment Bill. Senator Rick Scott of Florida, and Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina are both jumped on the bill. Right. So what's one thing that's really exciting about this is that uh, Rick Scott, of course, is the governor of the third largest state. I'm sorry, the senator from the third largest state, formerly governor of the third largest state. And uh, he was not a pledge signer. So we were a little bit worried, but he jumped on the bill. And so uh, we're, we're really excited about that. Yeah, when he wouldn't sign the pledge initially during the campaign, I was very concerned because I trust politicians less than used car salesmen. But it is a very encouraging sign that he has kept his word to the voters of Florida and sponsored the U.S. Term Limits Amendment. There's more than 41,000 zip codes in America. In all but one zip code, they want term limits on Congress. It's common sense. The only place that doesn't want term limits on Congress, right here, Washington, where all the career politicians are. In Washington, they say term limits can't be done. That's nonsense. We don't work for them, they work for us. I'm Rick Scott, I approve this message. Let's get to work. Um, And maybe I'm biased because I live in Florida, but I think Rick Scott is kind of a big deal. Um, He was a successful two-term governor here. He just unseated a 46-year political incumbent. Right. So Scott is a he's a national figure. He has the ability to move the needle on pretty much any issue. And him coming out for this will send a, a shockwave through Washington, D.C. I agree with that. Uh, he ran a major company and he's never lost an election. And um, I'm thinking he's probably got some presidential ambitions um, so I think that is a big deal. You're right. And when you say he made a promise to the to Floridians, um, he did. He did not sign our pledge, which concerned us because generally that means that the politician is is lying to us. Uh, but he made a pledge to uh, voters that he was going to be supportive of this issue. In fact, ran ads on this issue. It was a major part of his campaign and a major part of why he was elected to the Senate. Right. He didn't win by much. He spent millions of dollars on those ads, too, and I think he only won the election by about 10,000 votes. So it's difficult right. to believe that he would have won that election if he hadn't put his arms around term limits and made it like the keystone issue of his campaign. It was a big part of it. When he was governor, uh, what we saw from him, he had little patience for things not getting done. He was never afraid to rattle cages. And let's see if he's going to bring that attitude to D.C., because if he does on term limits, it's going to be – Tough sledding for Mitch McConnell uh, and his crew. I I don't think Scott is the person who would let McConnell and leadership get away with dodging this issue. That's the truth. Um, Tim Scott in South Carolina 
Uh, he's notable for many reasons. One, he's the first African-American senator elected since uh, Reconstruction in the South. Uh, that was a big deal. And he's been a stalwart on the issue of term limits also. He is a pledge signer, and uh, he's fulfilling this pledge by jumping on the bill. So we're excited about that, too. It's a big week, two more senators, which means that 10% of the U.S. Senate has co-sponsored the U.S. Term Limits Amendment bill. Mark your calendars. February 27th is National Term Limits Day, and it's less than a month away. With a renewed push to impose term limits on the U.S. Congress, a new national day has emerged from the term limits movement. The idea is simple enough. On February 27th each year, everyone is encouraged to make a show of public support for term limits. This can be as simple as posting a term limits sign in your yard or wearing a term limits t-shirt or hat on term limits day, February 27th. Remind the politicians that our support is not passive. If term limits are good enough for the president, they're good enough for Congress. You probably already know that the battle for term limits is taking place on two major fronts simultaneously, in Congress and in the states. In the U.S. Congress, term limits amendment resolutions have been introduced by Senator Ted Cruz, SJR1, and Representative Francis Rooney, HJR20, in their respective chambers. On February 27th, we will also be contacting our state legislators to ask them to support a congressional term limits resolution. Here are some ideas for February 27th Term Limits Day activism. Post a term limit sign in your yard. You can make one of your own or purchase one from our store at termlimits.com shop. Another thing you can do is hang a pro term limits banner over a busy overpass. Maybe something like Happy Term Limits Day, February 27th. You can also organize a sign wave at a busy intersection. Grab a couple of friends and make some homemade signs that say, Honk if you love term limits and enjoy the public support you'll hear from passersby. Use Term Limits Day as your annual reminder to contact your state and local representatives on this issue. Go to termlimits.com legislators and use our easy peasy online tool to contact both your federal senators and your U.S. House rep. Wish them a happy Term Limits Day. And finally, you can take a selfie holding a Happy Term Limits Day sign and post it on your social media. Make sure you use the hashtag Term Limits Day. Whatever you decide to do, send pictures to Term Limits Day at termlimits.com and it will be shared with hundreds of thousands of fellow Term Limits supporters just like you. What has started as a day of action may well serve as an annual celebration of the people's victory. You can make history by saying you were our February 27th Term Limits Day founder. So we're making progress on the federal front, but of course, they'll never pass it by themselves without a lot of pressure from the states and from the people. And so we also look to the states where there's a movement to call for a amendment writing convention limited to the subject of congressional term limits. Three states have made such a call, and there's more calls on the way this year. So what progress are we making there, Nick? Uh, well, we have uh, very exciting news to announce this week. We actually have our first public hearing scheduled in a state uh, in the 2019 session for the term limits convention. That is in the state of New Hampshire. Great. Uh, New Hampshire is a democratically controlled state. It's, a, it's an exciting development. The resolution there is House Concurrent Resolution 6, HCR 6, and that will be up next Wednesday, uh, January 30th uh, at 11 a.m. 
in committees in New Hampshire. Well, we have some work to do then. This is the same resolution that passed in Florida and Alabama and uh, Missouri, correct? That is right. Okay. And so it's it's the tournaments convention bill, and uh, this would be our first democratically controlled state to pass it. We got to get on it. So what should people be doing right now? If, if you live in New right. Hampshire, um, what should we tell people to do who live in New Hampshire right now? We need people to contact members of the state and federal relations committee, uh, which is where this is up in the House. Contact members of that committee and encourage them to pass the resolution. Uh, we, we really only want you to do this if you live in New Hampshire, because it's better when the representatives hear from their own constituents. If you live in a different state, that's OK. There are still ways for you to get involved. But if you live in New Hampshire specifically, go to termlimits.com slash NH, the abbreviation for New Hampshire, slash NH action, termlimits.com slash NH action. That is the way to send a call to action to the members of the New Hampshire General Assembly and ask them to pass this resolution. How about other states? Any other progress? West Virginia is a state where we are seeing a huge surge in momentum. Uh, it has been filed there. Uh, it's been introduced as a bipartisan bill uh, led by Delegate Jeffrey Pack. In West Virginia, it is House Concurrent Resolution 3. Um, the reason I mentioned Jeffrey Pack, he's the lead sponsor in West Virginia. It's important to recognize these state legislators are picking up the slack where members of Congress will not do it. The House of Representatives, they have that name, but they don't really represent anyone. Because if they did, they'd be listening to the 82% of people who want term limits. It's state legislators who are stepping up to the plate right now to represent us. And we just want to give credit where it's due. So thank you, Delegate Jeff Pack in West Virginia, for yes. stepping up thank to you. the plate and filing this resolution. The Saga of Queen Sheila Jackson Lee. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. It is ironic that many Americans look to Congress for laws to protect us against sexual harassment, when Congress itself is a hotbed of such behavior. Think of Senator Al Franken of Minnesota and Representative John Conyers of Michigan who were forced to step down from the last Congress. Also, Representatives Trent Franks of Arizona, Patrick Meehan of Pennsylvania, Tim Murphy of Pennsylvania, Joe Barton of Texas, and Blank Farenthold of Texas. The latest casualty of this bipartisan congressional subculture is 24-year veteran Representative Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, whose district includes most of central Houston. Let us vote to provide for unemployment insurance for working men Gentleman's and women time has expired. so that faces across America will not have the tear of desperation Gentlewoman's on their face. Gentlewoman's time has expired. The deal is good. The gentlewoman's the time has expired. While retaining her office so far, Representative Jackson Lee resigned last week as chairwoman for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation after being accused of retaliating against a female employee of the foundation who claims to have been sexually assaulted. The woman, named Jane Doe in her legal complaint, says she was fired by Representative Jackson Lee when she made the matter public. The story begins in 2015 when Jane Doe was a 19-year-old student at Howard University and took an internship at the foundation for a semester. She says the internship coordinator took her drinking one night. The evening ended in his apartment where he allegedly forced her to perform oral sex and other unwanted sex acts. The intern coordinator denied this, but he was fired anyway for drinking with a minor when Jane Doe brought it to the attention of the foundation. No charges were filed, so this might have been the end of it. But Representative Jackson Lee hired Jane Doe again later to work on her staff in 2017, and shortly thereafter was also considering hiring the old intern coordinator. According to Jane Doe, she balked noisily about this and was fired as a result. We have martial law, what that means, and my colleagues know what it means. 
is that you can put a bill on in just minutes. Representative Lee resigned from the board after being given an ultimatum by the foundation board that if she did not do so, she would face a removal vote. The National Alliance to End Sexual Violence similarly said it could not continue to work with Representative Jackson Lee as the lead sponsor on legislation reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act. We have no special knowledge regarding these allegations, but the arrogance they portray fits with Representative Jackson Lee's reputation as Congress's Queen Bee. Who paid for that trip for you to go to that memorial service? Well, uh, that um, those uh, resources are resources that I have, and uh, therefore uh, they are uh, in a way that does not interfere with anything that has to do with serving uh, the United States Congress. Understood. So public funds or? Those resources are resources that I have. At the end of 2017, Queen Jackson Lee insisted that school teacher Jean Marie Simon give up her first class seat as there were none available for Queen Jackson Lee. United Airlines apologized and provided Simon a voucher for the flight. It was pointed out to Simon who had bumped her and she posted the picture of Queen Jackson Lee sitting in her seat on Facebook. Responding to the fury that that caused, the Queen suggested that Simon, who it turns out is a celebrated photojournalist who helps document human rights abuses in developing nations, created this stir because Queen Jackson Lee is an African American woman. When called out, on her history of sometimes hilarious misstatements, such as confusing Hurricane Sandy with the Sandy Hook Massacre, conflating WikiLeaks and Wikipedia, and referring to an American flag that moon astronaut Neil Armstrong left on Mars, she routinely counters with charges of racism. Regarding the Mars incident, Queen Jackson Lee defended her error saying, quote, you thought you could have fun with a black woman member of the science committee. Former staffers report that she had an abusive temper and regularly hurls profanities at her underlings with stupid motherfucker ranking high amongst her favorites. I don't know what else to say. I am outraged, and that's why my voice is going up. Outraged. Not surprisingly, she has one of the highest staff turnover rates in Congress. The Houston Chronicle reports that she had gone through 11 chiefs of staff in 11 years, and a 2013 report concluded Queen Jackson Lee, quote, had the highest turnover rate of all of Congress over the last decade, close quote. Exhibiting such arrogance, it is not surprising that the 13-term representative ignores the demands of her constituents to enact congressional term limits. Queen Jackson Lee gets an F rating at termlimits.com forward slash legislators for refusing to sign the U.S. Term Limits Pledge and co-sponsor the Congressional Term Limits Amendment Bill. You don't understand. I am a queen and I demand to be treated like a queen, she allegedly once told a member of her staff. Whether she said this or not, her actions speak as loud as those words. Well, enough with hard news. Let's uh, get a little bit speculative here. We have a presidential election coming up in 2020. I know it's not uh, around the just around the corner, but uh, people are already talking about it, and the field is already expanding. So uh, it's probably worth taking a look at some of these Democratic presidential candidates and uh, divining how they're going to support tournaments on Congress or not. It's a positive sign that there have been a few Democrat candidates coming out for term limits. I think there are like six million Democrats running for president. <laughs> at least. Uh, at least, yeah. So, but of that group, a few of them have come out for it. Mm-hmm. Beto O'Rourke has put himself ahead of the curve. He started the Congressional Term no Limits question. Caucus. 
he famously said that without term limits, politicians become a-holes, huge a-holes. We agree with that. But there are also um, several other candidates, uh, mostly second, third-tier candidates who have weighed in on this, and they've provided some really interesting comments uh, so far. The first Democrat to announce uh, was John Delaney, who is a U.S. representative from Maryland, and he's only been in office for a little while. He he was elected in 2013. He's 55 years old, and um, he is explicitly for congressional term limits and has been advocating them in the U.S. Congress. His quote from his website says that uh, term limits can increase electoral competition and serve as a check against entrenched career politicians and special interests. Well, that's yeah. our message right there. It is. He's, he's offered a plan. I think it's a little too long at 12 years in each chamber. Right. Uh, in my view, it's kind of absurd to give a legislator more tenure than the leader of the free world who's <laughs> limited to, to only eight years. Um, but you can't sleep on Delaney. He, he is um, one of the wealthiest members of Congress. A lot of people have never heard of him before. But when you've got a, a war chest of several hundred million dollars, you can potentially change that in a hurry. So if Delaney's not on the radar yet, uh, he will be in the near future. Right. OK, who else is on the list? Well, there are some interesting ones. Andrew Yang is uh, one of these third-tier kind of underdog candidates, but um, he's not someone that you really want to ignore because he's got an interesting pedigree. He's a former uh, Obama ambassador on global entrepreneurship. Uh, He's a successful business guy uh, who is running for president, and he has given a thumbs up to legislative term limits. He hasn't told us what his preferred length is, uh, but he is a candidate who has come out for this. He had mentioned something about supporting uh, tournaments on the Supreme Court, uh, which is an idea that's gaining a lot of support. And somebody asked him uh, whether he supported also congressional tournaments, and he said, thumbs up. So that looks good. And, you know, he's a young guy. He's calling for generational change. He's 43 years old. That's a baby uh, as far as political oh, candidates absolutely. go. So there's things about him, about his biography that make him a sort of natural supporter for this idea. So he's someone else to watch. And he's also got some money in his own pocket. That's right. Well, we know a couple of these uh, folks are against it. They've come out and they've already said that it's a bad idea. And one of them is uh, Senator <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, who would have to be on a on the A-list. Uh, <laughs> well, the A-list for professional politicians running for president. Well, I think what you might see here is that some of the um, A-listers will either have to moderate their positions or change them entirely Mm -hmm. on this Um, because you don't want to go against 76% of voters in a Democratic primary. We know Bernie Sanders is against it. Uh, Joe Biden, I don't really think, has weighed in. The marquee candidates have not really weighed in in detail aside from Beto. Um, right. But some of the second tier people might try to force the issue and create a debate on this within the party. And it will be hard for them to take the wrong position under the threat of pressure from people like Beto who have always been for it. Uh, so I think Elizabeth Warren may soon face a dilemma of having to either jump on that train or be run over by it. Right. Sometimes these details are fascinating and they may give us a little insight but we don't know what they mean just yet. On one that's pretty clear is Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York. <laughs> he had an eight-year tournament on him, and uh, he decided he didn't like it, and he's used to getting his way. And the voters of New York in the 1993 uh, 
in an initiative put tournaments into place on that position. And in 1996, reaffirmed their support for that. And in 2008, when uh, Mayor Bloomberg was running into this problem, he was doing the polling and realized that the voters still very much embraced these tournaments. So he decided that he couldn't risk putting the vote to the people again. So he decided to, he got his lawyers together and decided it was okay to just have the, the city council change the law instead of the people and got it done. He's expressed some regret about that, I hear. And uh, it was really a term limits for thee, but not for me situation. Uh, at the time, Bloomberg announced that you know he was just so indispensable for the city. There was a financial crisis, and, and the city would would literally collapse onto itself if he were yeah. not allowed to serve a third consecutive term. And so they amended the charter undemocratically just so he could stay in power. And then after he did his third term, they changed it back. They restored the the eight-year limit, and he yeah. supported that effort. He did. Uh, so that is it is, it's a tenuous relationship with term limits at best. But, you know, Bloomberg to this day claims that he is a, a term limits supporter. I know uh, he does. That, that is what he will say in interviews. It's just it's term limits for everyone but him, I think. That's his <laughs> his stated position. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll see how that shakes out in the primary. If I'm Beto O'Rourke or one of these other candidates who's stood strong my entire career and Bloomberg runs for office, I am going to hit him hard. Welcome aboard. It's episode 58 of the J.R. Heff Show. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Happy to have on the podcast this week, Nick Tombolidis of U.S. Term Limits. He is the executive director. My, my congratulations to you and to the No Uncertain Terms podcast. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited about it. And the thing that I like the most is that we are totally bipartisan. We appeal to people on both sides of the political spectrum who are just fed up with the existing political system and want to see it work more, be more accountable to the public. And so we're, we're generating very bipartisan, strong audience reaction. To hear the entire interview with Nick Tambalides, go to termlimits.com slash podcast. And under episode 25's show notes, click on the link for the J.R. Heft Show. Insulated and irresponsible Congress members continue to disgrace themselves while citizens put increasing pressure on Washington and our state capitals to impose congressional term limits. How can we lose? Only by inaction. Action begins with information and sharing information. Your mission this week, should you decide to accept it, is to go to iTunes on your phone or computer and, under podcasts, search out the No Uncertain Terms podcast. There, you'll find a link to ratings and reviews. Click it, and then please rate and review us. This may not sound like much, but it is. Highly rated podcasts with lots of reviews are presented by iTunes to podcast listeners looking for ideas, and this expands our reach. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Stacy, and I have some exciting news for you. We relaunched our U.S. Term Limits online store with updated merchandise so you can get your Term Limits swag on before National Term Limits Day on February 27th. 
And as a special offer, for a limited time only, you'll get 10% off everything in the store if you purchase before February 15th. We have t-shirts, bumper stickers, coffee mugs, baseball caps, banners, and more. So check out our store at termlimits.com shop. And remember, you get 10% off everything if you place your order before February 15th.